We spoke recently about the experience of the Jewish high holidays of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and their relationship to each other. And today I want to throw in the third dimension, which is the relationship to the holiday of Sukkot, which is coming up tonight. There's so much to say about Sukkot. There's so many different levels. I hope I can record a little bit more next week of some some additional ideas. But today I want to share with you something beautiful that I saw this morning. We discussed that Rosh Hashanah is the brain of the year, so to speak, the Rosh, which means the head of the year, where the DNA comes down for the year. Um, and the shofar symbolizes, in some ways, waking us up, waking us up to our potential, waking us up to our mission. And I discussed that that corresponds to it like a, uh, a masculine father figure who is reaching out to have a relationship with us. And the idea of chachma, which is the intellectual spark of an idea in Kabbalah, is a masculine process, as opposed to Yom Kippur, which we discussed is the energy of Bina, which is the mother, which is a feminine process, uh, which is the, the breaking down of something into its components, the analyzation, and turning a spark of an idea into something that actually can give birth to action. So in Kabbalah, these ideas are called Chachma and Bina. The Chachma is the right brain, flash of inspiration. Bina is the left brain, the analysis, drawing it out into, into the process. And the third dimension is called Das, which is knowledge. It's where the idea becomes part of you. And this gives birth to emotions, which lead to motion or action. So Sukkis corresponds to the idea of Das, which is bringing it down and living these ideas. And I want to share with, this, with you on another, um, uh, with a few different um, metaphors. So we said that Yom Kippur is like the mother who's, we're returning to the womb of our mother. And there's a purification that comes place because we literally go back spiritually back into uh, the embrace of God. And that's that's a spiritual hug of the mother. So then Sukkis is bringing that down into action. On Sukkis, the there's a this sukkah essentially is a box. It's a hut, and according to halacha, Jewish law, it's supposed to be made up of two walls and a third wall, which is very small. Third wall can be very small. And most people make a hut with four walls, but the, the minimum amount is two walls and a little bit, a hand's breadth. So the uh, Arizal, the great uh, master Kabbalist, says that these two walls and the little hand's breadth represent an arm. An arm is made up of two large portions, the bicep and the forearm. And then the small hand's breadth represents the hand. And he says the sukkah is God hugging us. And so on Yom Kippur, God hugs us spiritually, and on Sukkot, he hugs us physically, literally surrounding us with his love. Uh, there's a, um, a great Hasidic master, the Chadusha Rim, the first Ger Rebbe from Poland, who said 
in Yiddish, Merhat Aguta Mama, we have a good mother. On Sukkis, on Rosh Hashanah, she cleans us, she blows us off, meaning she blows off the dirt from us. And I would add, she wakes us up on Rosh Hashanah. On Yom Kippur, she bathes us. And on Sukkis, she clothes us and embraces us. So the, um, the idea is that now we're bringing into the world of action all the spiritual, intellectual revelations that we had in Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, now we're bringing into the world of action. We spend literally a week sitting in a box enveloped in God's embrace, and that box represents the physical, the coming together between the spiritual world and the physical world, where we bring the intellect into action. And anything you do in a sukkah is a mitzvah. So the idea of being hugged by God is a beautiful idea. And there's actually a uh, a beautiful the cla- the sukkah actually represents uh, the clouds, divine clouds that surrounded us in our sojourn in the desert, the 40 years in the desert as we left Egypt. Something called ananiya covered these spiritual clouds. So the Talmud says that the sukkah represents these clouds that they're literally in God's embrace and. Uh, for more deeper understanding of what the clouds symbolize, see previous podcast. We talk about the the mystical meaning of clouds, but I'll share with you another beautiful idea about these clouds. So, we learn all the laws of of Shabbos from the building of the tabernacle in the desert. Tabernacle was a box. It was a it was a mini temple that that we traveled with was essentially a miniature house of God. It was a a precursor for the temple that we'd eventually build in Jerusalem. And it's a place where God's presence was more tangibly revealed, even though God is everywhere. And we learn the, the laws of Shabbos, what you can't do on Shabbos from the laws, the, the actual creative actions that went into building the tabernacle. The tabernacle is considered a microcosm of the universe. What God rested, so to speak, from doing on Shabbos, he rested from the actions that he performed in the six days of creation, which was the building of a physical world. So he ceases to do those actions on Shabbos. So we don't do those 39 physical manifestations on Shabbos as well. We also rest on Shabbos. And we learn out the 39 things that we're not allowed to do on Shabbos from the building of the tabernacle, that the same actions that went into building the universe are the actions that went into building the Mishkan, the tabernacle. So one of those actions is that you cannot destroy things. But that's not actually true. Those actions have to be creative actions. So destruction is not creative, but there's a type of destruction that is permitted, and that's destroying something in order to rebuild it. That's creative destruction. And we learned that from the tabernacle because we used to destroy the tabernacle, the Mishkan, in order to travel throughout the desert. And it says that there was a, a cloud of glory that hovered over the over the tabernacle, but when the cloud would depart, the Jews knew it was time to travel, and they would move on to another location. And when the cloud would descend again, that meant it was time to camp. And they did that dozens of times throughout the desert. 
So one of the opinions of the Talmud is that destruction that you're not allowed to do, that's creative, when you destroy something on condition to rebuild it, is only if you have in mind to rebuild it on the exact same spot. If you destroy your house to rebuild it on that spot, according to the opinion of the Talmud, that would be a, a problem. That's a creative action. But if you destroy your house in order to rebuild it someplace else, you're moving to Florida, you want to take apart your house and rebuild it in Florida, that would not be a, the, the, the biblically prohibited form of building, of destroying. So the question is, the Talmud asks, how could that be? If you destroy something in order to rebuild it in the same place, well, that's not what would happen in the desert. If we learn out the laws of Shabbos from the what happened in the desert, well, in the desert, they only destroyed the tabernacle, the Mishkan, in order to rebuild it in another place. So what does that mean? So says the Talmud, because really wherever they traveled in the desert, it was all with God's presence. It was through the word of God that they camped and through the word of God that they traveled. Essentially, they were with God at all times. So one of the one of the rabbis of the previous generation says a beautiful metaphor to explain this. He says a, a mother is traveling throughout the day holding her baby. And if you ask her at the end of the day, what did you do today? She said, I dropped my kids off at carpool at school, I drove carpool, dropped my kids off at school, then I went to the bank, then I went to the store, then I went to work, uh, did some errands, did some work from home, and then uh, I went and picked up my kids again. And so that was her day. If you ask the baby, where did you go today? He would say, I was in my mother's arms the entire day. I didn't go anywhere. And that's the idea, that the clouds surrounding us in the desert were literally God's embrace surrounding us through every place. So that's the idea of sukkah. So sukkah is, is essentially our own mini tabernacle. It's our mini house for God. The purpose of this world is to build a dwelling place for God. And we have to remember that we are surrounded by him at all times. It looks sometimes like the clouds depart and it's time to journey. But really we have to know that he's holding us, whether we're in a time of of peace in our life, or we're in a time of transition, we're in a time where things seem dark, where thing, where we seem, where feel, we feel alone. Know that God is holding us at every moment. That essentially is the message of Sukkah, and that's the way we start our year. After Rosh Hashanah, after Yom Kippur, we now want to bring these ideas into our heart and internalize them with us, so that they lead to action. And the way we do that is by sitting outside for a week. And meditating on the fact that we are literally in God's embrace. And we'll end off with one amazing idea. That when we, God is surrounding us and hugging us on Sukkot and literally is really with us at all times, whether we see it or not, just as we mentioned. But how do we hug God? So says the Tanya, written by the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, or Shneer Zalman of Liadi. An amazing, amazing idea. He says, God is infinite. God is really untouchable. How can you ever get close to God? You're always infinitely far. You can never embrace the infinite. But he says, you know, there is a way to do that. Because he said a king can be wearing multiple, multiple levels of robes and garments and armor. You want to get close to that king. If you hug the cloak that he's wearing, you're hugging him because he's inside it. 
says the Tanya, that when we do a mitzvah, when we do a commandment, a divine commandment, even though God is infinitely far from that, when we shake the lulav on Sukkot this Sunday, know that God's will is inside that action. So even though God is infinite, when you do a mitzvah, you are literally hugging God. And that's the way we return the hug, is by taking this embrace and putting it into action in our life. Wishing you all a beautiful Shabbos.